0: Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort from polygon.com, and I'm joined tonight by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Jessica Dennis, software developer and Brianna Wu podcast pinch hitter. (laughs) That's amazing that that's a job position now.
1: Yeah, I'm really happy. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. It's one that I, I – I don't know if I've created it for myself or Breeze. Maybe I'm being bullied and I just don't realize it because it's so much fun every time, but – yeah. <laughs>
2: Bree's so, like secretly waiting
1: for you to
0: crack. She's like, this week I'm <laughs> gonna surprise her with a podcast she knows nothing about. Let's oh, see how she God. takes it and every time you just every like time.
2: no, this is what happened today. And this is a true story. Yeah so I'm sitting there and I'm speaking to a group of you know, here in Massachusetts, we have a lot of different people and uh, I'm having a lunch with some socialists. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we have we have we have socialists, uh-huh. there's a socialist party here in Massachusetts, and you know, like I talked Talk to all kinds of people these days, and like we're having a conversation. They're really uh, educating me on like the producer exploiting the worker and not giving them a share of the profit. And then I left and called Jessica Dennis <laughs> and asked her to come on Rocket. With the And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to think about anything.
1: That's a good idea. I get a sweet bio page out of it.
0: That's That's true. true. You can list on your resume all the
1: times you've been a pinch hitter
2: for Brianna (laughs) Wu. You know, I
1: I should. I should totally put that
2: on LinkedIn. I don't know what it will get me,
1: but I should do it. You should
2: just like, Mike should give you a show. Like, that's how I feel. I think you should just get a show at this point. (laughs)
0: How many, yeah, how many pinch hits do you have to do before Mike gives you a show? (laughs) It's all a plot. All right, let's talk about some news. So the first story of this week is one that I'm going to struggle to summarize, and it is about Star Wars Battlefront 2, and more specifically, the monetization system that is built into it, uh, which if you have been reading any gaming news website the last (laughs) month or so, it is a saga. It is a trip. It is a, pain in my head i almost i honestly did not when when brie was like so let's talk about this today i was like ah do we have to but the answer is yes it is actually very it is interesting and important and we are going to do our darndest to talk about it um even though it is still very confusing to me so ea is launching star wars battlefront 2 which is a multiplayer shooter game uh, part of the battlefront franchise and part of this game that has been very that has been torn apart by the community is the progression system which was initially basically completely pay to win in that a lot of the items that you might want such as things that make your character stronger or ships etc were locked behind it locked in these loot crates that you that you can purchase with real money Uh, which of course means that people who buy the game and then spend a lot of money on the game become stronger at the game rather than people who spend more time playing the game becoming stronger at the game. Uh, There has been huge backlash to this and EA has made a few, like there's been stages of changes basically that EA made. And the big kerfuffle yesterday was uh, that the game has been in... uh, EA early access since Thursday, since Thursday last week, and people calculated that it would take some 40 hours of gameplay to earn enough in-game money to unlock characters like Darth Vader um, and Luke Skywalker, etc.
2: Which is, by the way, it's ridiculous. I mean, the numbers they put here are just, you shouldn't have to play 40 hours to unlock uh, you know, Darth Vader in the game. That is just, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And um, the
0: thing that's more ridiculous to me is I'm reading through these articles as one does to try to figure out what's happening and the amount of kinds of currency that they have <laughs> in this full price, triple a shooter game is excessive. So there are in game credits that you can't buy, but you earn them through gameplay and through loot crates. There are quote unquote crystals that you can buy with cash and there are also there's a third kind there's a third kind what what is it
2: it's it's the things you use to mod your weapons like it's repair parts or something like that or salvage
0: yes yes you can turn you can get star cards in loot crates and turn those into parts to modify your weapons it as as a game journalist <laughs> as a person whose job it is to understand this i find it confusing yeah and distressing uh how did you feel about this brie when you were reading about the
2: well you know it's i i'm one of the the biggest fans of the original star wars battlefront and you know if you go back in time this is like a long long time ago like you know 15 years ago there, there wasn't a new Star Wars television show on TV every week. Like there wasn't a new movie every year. It was kind of out in the wilderness, and yeah, you, know, you really just had the six movies to to base uh, your fandom from. And Star for- Star Wars Battlefront was a really, really, really good game that came out. Um, the first Star Wars Battlefront, I was really pumped for it, but it's kind of uh, it kind of took this. EA annualization formula and took a game that was really complex and perfect and turned it into simplistic pay-to-win nonsense. Uh, for this sequel, I was really pumped about it because the story is a really, really good concept. You've got the the lead character is a woman of color and she's a, a imperial soldier that like watches the Death Star 2 blow up and she's pissed and she wants to like, you know, help the empire take back over. It's a really, really good premise. Uh, and I'd hope that the sequel would like pull a mass effect Two and correct all the issues. Hmm. And it doesn't, it goes the exact opposite way where it's even more pay to win. Uh, actually before we are recording the podcast, I spent the last hour playing it. Um, it's even with the updates that they put out, it's still terrible. Simone, Um, it's not a very deep game, and your ability to win is going to be on how lucky you are with these loot crates to get better weapons. Mm -hmm.
0: I think we can't underestimate how much, again, like, there's been a a big issue today with people taking a lot of their anger at this out on developers of the game, which is point blank a wrong thing to do. Don't do that. There's a Mm -hmm. big difference between decisions that a publisher makes and decisions that people who are coding the game make people who are doing art for the game make it's it's absolutely ridiculous and it shows a huge lack of empathy to take that out on somebody who probably was in crunch and suffered to put this game out um but yeah this is just a really Egregious, probably the most egregious example of what we've been seeing with AAA games trying to eke out not even so much more money, but just like a lifespan as a product, because I think that that's ultimately what this is about it's not so much it it is of course you know it is a cash grab it is you know grabbing your wallet and squeezing it but they're doing that because they want the game to have life they want to draw people back into the game so that they can spend time with it so that they can get more things so that they can keep you around rather than having you move on to the next 60 dollar game that will be Devalued to ten dollars in six months. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, Jessica, I want to hear from you a second, but I, I just want to add on to that really quickly, Simone. Yeah, that's the argument for this. Right, like they say that games last a lot longer, which is why, you know, why by Forza six they're going to, or was it Forza seven this year? I can't even remember. They're (laughs) gonna like try to sell me the season pack and they'll come up with the downloads. Like, that's the argument that these $60, $80 games last so much longer, and that justifies these mechanics to kind of like flesh out um you know try to extract more money from the player mm-hmm. and i understand that but i mean something that i've really been struck by lately with my super nintendo classic is just how much yeah you know, these systems are are taking away from the trust in the game developers it really takes away from your faith in the product and your ability to enjoy it mm-hmm. because for me like playing star wars battlefront I don't feel like I'm really skilled if I just, you know, paid, and I did this, like I paid $35 (laughs) for enough crystals to unlock a really good weapon, and I'm just mowing people down. (laughs) That doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean I've really mastered anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I totally know what you mean. And I do
2: have
0: Although, things to add about that, but go on, Jessica.
1: <laughs> it's funny as um, being terrible at games is pretty much my brand. So uh, on the one hand, I have thirty five dollars. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if I can, if that's what it takes for me to be able to enjoy just mowing down fourteen year old boys, like I, <laughs> I might be inclined to do it. I haven't, and I probably won't. It's sort of funny though. Like people are paying sixty dollars for the Candy Crush experience on their PCs or consoles or whatever. And it's, I don't know, yeah. it's pretty funny. Like, it's its the exact Candy Crush model. There are different kinds. Of, well, actually, just Candy Crush. They only have the one kind of currency, really, I think. I haven't played that much Candy Crush. Um, but I am playing this um, sort of match three RPG thing called Matchland, which does have two kinds of currency and you can buy one kind. And it's a whole thing. And I have bought the currency sometimes to get ahead in the game. And like, I know it's kind of scummy. And I know that I'm reinforcing bad behavior. But on the other hand, I'm paying developers. But on yet another hand, because there are many hands, um, (laughs) (laughs) like, I didn't pay $60, I paid $0 for this game. Plus, you know, whatever I've watched in ads, because of course, you can well, you can watch ads to get can you imagine if they That's put in that mechanic into that, a, into oh, a AAA game? Oh,
0: I can imagine how well that would go over. <laughs> it, Yeah, it is so it is very interesting to me that is a model that as far as I know, did originate in in these free to play mobile games that has kind of meandered over. And I think, obviously, the conversation is so complicated, because there are There are loot boxes that I'm not offended by, for example, a little biased here, but Overwatch, where every single loot box you can buy only has cosmetic things in it. And I will buy them anyway because I am weak and Blizzard keeps making Hmm. designs where I'm like, I want that. I don't need them, Um, but I'll buy them because they make me happy to have. It makes me look sexy in a video game and that's all that matters. But then there are things like this where, like, even to read up on what is happening with this game, I need three kinds of currency explained to me, like, what star cards are, what crystals are, what everything is. And it makes it so hard, I think, for consumers to even understand what is happening, where in something like Overwatch is just a very simple, like, I put in money, I get sexy clothes, that's a very simple transaction. Whereas this is like <laughs> parts and crystals and star cards and loot boxes. It's all very obfuscated.
2: I, I do have to say, for me, I often feel resentment about those mechanics, though. And I agree, like, the Overwatch implementation is better than most. But something that happens a lot is, like, um, say, Street Fighter Five. And I want to play with R. Mika because the voice actress that plays her is a friend of mine. I love Bonnie. She's awesome. But her boobs are in my Mm. face so much (laughs) that I just can't play with the character. Like, it's so over the top. Do you know what I mean? So I find myself, like, spending money on these costumes just to get something that's, like, you know, not so hyper-sexualized. It's insulting, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. A very unfortunate situation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I think, uh, I I think Ben Kutcher had a really good piece in Polygon today. And he was talking at the bright side to all of this, which is, you know, this this whole situation ended up having the most downvoted comment in Reddit history. And I don't know if you saw this, Jessica Dennis, but I saw it and I'm like, like, what is the maximum negative integer you can have in SQL? Like that was my first um, thought with it. Like that's how low this was downvoted. And his whole point with that is like, look, the consumer outrage in this uh, case worked like they did adjust the spreadsheet numbers. They did listen, you know, like they took it too far and like the consumers won. So I I do kind of agree with this point that like this is one of these rare cases that like video gamer entitlement, like did something <laughs> productive except for the death threats. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Go I on, hope Jessica. that's not.
1: I hope that's not the lesson that that these redditors take out of this or twitterers <laughs> or whoever like it wasn't the death threats you guys it was not the death threats.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the annoying thing. Like I'm I'm glad that EA is listening and making changes and obviously screaming at them has helped. Um and I but the the entitlement towards the developers like people who had nothing to do with this decision is ridiculous. Like pick up battle oh my god or pick a target for your rage and you know make sure it's not a specific singular human being my goodness
2: couldn't agree more you know, yeah
0: <laughs> i think i this kind of actually relates to that piece that i linked to earlier on the outline brie about um this bad <laughs> bad poet in portland who was posting his uh his poems on instagram and he had self-published a book and somebody found the book and was like this is bad and misogynistic and posted pictures of the poems to make fun of them because they were misogynist and it was like jeez this is a published book this is really crappy but it turned from a conversation about misogyny and poetry into let's dunk on this one dude and i feel like that's so often like What happens specifically in the Twitter sphere with conversations like this, like it becomes not just getting consumer justice from EA, but about taking out anger on individuals who work at the company, which is a a really, really unfortunate symptom, I think, of being so divorced from the the recipients of the words that we say online. That was a really good piece, and I definitely recommend that
2: everyone read it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Great point. Yeah. This episode
0: of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. You can make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. So whether you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. You don't have to install anything. You don't have to worry about patches. There are no upgrades that you need. You don't have to worry about any of that. Squarespace has it covered. And if you run into problems along the way, they have award winning 24 7 customer support to help you out. They also let you quickly and easily grab a domain name, and all of their award winning templates are really beautifully designed and minimalist to show off your wonderful content. I do love Squarespace. I have a good time whenever I go to my website and stare at it. <laughs> I do. Oh. Honestly, sometimes I just go just to like check it out. I'll open it in an incognito browser just so I can see how it looks <laughs> and make sure that everything is working properly. And it is. God. Yeah.
2: If you want space is so good. It is. It really is. It really is. I can't remember if it's this podcast where I said this, but uh we had to switch over to some specialized election software for my campaign. And we moved uh, our core site away from Squarespace to spend like $3,000 a month <laughs> on this stuff for FEC compliance and other things. And it's so much worse than Squarespace. It's terrible, Simone. I've I'm been so putting sorry. this off, like going in and like editing it because you're, you're back to the dark ages. Like you're, you're editing things in CSS code. It's just absolutely terrible. Like, I wish I could be like you. I wish I could be using Squarespace. And it's just sad for me. It's very sad.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. Someday. I know. You still have the turkey website, right? Yes. <laughs> Do you? Okay. Yes. Good. Good. That that will live on. Squarespace <laughs> plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you sign up, you can use offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support. For Rocket, this podcast. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support.
2: Love them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got some great sponsors, like, lately. Just, I, I, it's like, everybody is sponsoring the show. I'm just thrilled with. Everyone. Everyone.
0: Everyone. <laughs> Everyone. Now, uh, the Google Pixel Buds. Some reviews have Ooh. come out. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah, we have one from, uh, Adam Clark Estes at Gizmodo that is kind of damning. And if you remember, <laughs> when these uh, were announced at uh, Google's... It was Google I.O., right?
2: Uh, or, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, they were announced at Google I.O., sure. and it was
0: very exciting because they showed these uh, wireless Bluetooth-connected earbuds that could translate uh, live speech, which was a really incredible function that I I I think was... The thing that everyone was most excited about for these, I think I can safely say that. Like, yes, Bluetooth headphones are very cool, but the sort of future envisioned in being able to just hear a language spoken in your language in your ear. Very cool uh, prospect, very cool concept. And uh, these reviews of the earbuds themselves
2: uh, indicate that (laughs) they are a lot
0: more confusing then yeah. perhaps was demonstrated at IO.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's the dream, right, Simone? Mm-hmm. Like the dream is that it's going to be just like Star Trek, right? Mm, like you're gonna, like that was in. You watch Star Trek, don't you, Jessica? Um, I new like that. No. I don't. Oh. oh <laughs> I haven't I either. Iowa I'm sorry. But Trek? I know okay. the
0: Universal Translators.
2: Okay, fine. So, this, the end of this season had reference to the Universal Translator. And of course, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, this product from Google. Like, that's the idea. But, you know, they bring it out to market. It's got terrible pairing problems. The quality of it isn't that good. It's not comfortable in your ear. Um, You know, it really does kind of look like a a flop from Google. Like, the most damning part of this was when, you know, they're saying that they would spend sixty dollars for it, but like spending one hundred and sixty—the same amount as the Apple AirPods—it's just like it's—it's it's not reasonable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the big issue, uh, well, one thing definitely that is a an issue is that the translation only works with the Pixel and the Pixel Two, which I don't think is a deal breaker. But this review uh, was, I think ups upset by how how limiting that is and i totally i totally understand that i'm wondering if there aren't underlying technical reasons for it to be specific to the pixel and the pixel 2
2: it's hard to i mean i imagine what what could that be it's not it's not going to be the bluetooth communications protocol cuz that's mm-hmm. going to be standard like the round trip there back and forth mm mm-hmm. Could it I guess with other Android phones, like maybe they don't have like some of the the voice stuff like hard coded into the board to like translate on the fly like that's one of the things they've changed with the iPhone, like
0: yeah, you know? so the way yeah. that the translation works uh to recap that is that you have to have Google translate open on your phone to receive the word, so I think you you might be onto something there with it being phone phone specific in that way and also it needs to be is it? Marshmallow it, it needs yeah. to be running mm-hmm. Android Marshmallow which already obviously yeah. cuts out a swath of Android phones it's so What's sad. What's your take on
2: this? Yeah,
1: Jessica? It's so, I mean, I imagine the problem is that with any phone but a Pixel phone, you have no idea what kind of hardware you're going to be dealing with. So it seems like a safe bet to just not enable that on anything but your trusted platforms. And, like, to be fair, a lot of Apple, I mean, Apple-specific stuff only works on iPhones. So mm-hmm. Although, granted, there are, like, what, f- eight iPhones that are considered current that you can run any Apple, well, most Apple things obviously the AR stuff is more specific but um i mean i would imagine it's just because there's such horrible fragmentation and like th- and requiring the latest operating system is shockingly appallingly <laughs> still in this day and age a big problem for android phones yeah. i mean my husband bought a pixel um i think it i think it's just the pixel one um because his moto x did not live up to the promise that it would get updates after like a year and a half his (sighs) phone got no more updates
0: that actually that's a really that's a really good point looking at it in that light i feel like we could see an alternate universe where this is offered on every Android phone and it just doesn't freaking
1: work. <laughs> yeah, it'll be garbage on really half of them. Which really bad
0: for Google. So maybe they're trying to cover their butts here, but the problem is that the Android uh, OS itself is so fragmented that something like their coolest software ever can't be consistently offered to all its customers.
2: I I do want to play a little bit of uh, I guess I call it Android's advocate. Aww. <laughs> I I do I mean so I mean Jessica what what uh, what headphones do you use with your iPhone ten I use AirPods of course okay oh. um I I have tried AirPods uh, they don't fit in my ears just I guess my ears are messed up or whatever uh, but I you know I have bought them before I took them back and I use BeatsX uh, and I really love them. To be fair, like pairing the Beats X and even the AirPods with multiple, you know, Apple devices, it's not a great experience. And it, 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 it for me at least, is exactly as they've described in this piece. And I don't find AirPods to be like a, a really perfect solution. Like there's a reason I use Beats X instead.
1: Yeah.
0: Wait what what part is android's advocate there well i'm just saying like i'm <laughs> Air saying AirPods are just this, as bad
2: <laughs> i'm not saying it's just as bad i'm saying it's not in in my opinion this is not like you know Android has brought out a subpar experience that's, and Apple has that's the That's That's a good iPhone. point. I yeah. think, I mean, I haven't used the Android equivalent, but um, they're describing a flawed product. And to me, the AirPods are just as flawed as are the Beats X. Like it's the best bad pair of earphones <laughs> that you can buy for your iPhone 10.
0: Yeah. And I feel like some of the things... Mentioned in this, such as the fact that they're not technically cordless, like technically the headphones are attached by a cord. I prefer that. Uh, that sounds safer to me. So there are definitely some things about these where, like, no, I'm not the target audience who's ever going to pay $160 for headphones. It's just never going to be me. I wish that they were better. Like, I wish that the sound quality was better, but for for all intents and purposes, minus the things that were kind of hyped that it doesn't do for every customer, minus those things, they're basically on par with the AirPods or even the EarPods. I guess. I
1: don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I sh- <laughs> I feel I feel compelled as an Apple stan to note that the AirPods actually do sound a lot better than the EarPods. I don't know what they. That's if, fair. There were extra holes or something. Um. And I, I actually bought a tether for my AirPods to kind of hook them to one another. Uh, I hate it. I never use it anymore. Um, and they're really, I, I guess I Does must it just have like, like the stick onto the ears. bottom of them. Yeah, it kind of clips onto the little stem pieces. Oh, I want like a rubber nipple that just goes on the bottom <laughs> of my AirPods. That sounds yeah, fun to play with it. to me. It would interfere with the microphone, <laughs> but other than that, I guess maybe- Oh, if, yeah, you're right. Oh, If no. they put enough holes in it, maybe, I don't know. But the, like, I was shoveling snow because I live in this horrible place for another couple of weeks, um, and I thought that I had lost an AirPod, but it turns out I had actually just separately placed each of my AirPods in a different pocket. And so I was like searching the snow for my oh, AirPod no. Oh, no. <laughs> for, oh, that's terrible. for a that's good terrible. long while. I went inside and I was just so sad and heartbroken that I had almost immediately lost an AirPod. And then I was, you know, <laughs> taking my car keys out of my pocket and like in one pocket was one AirPod and in the other was the other. So. I feel
0: like this is a compelling argument for why they should bring back the uh, 5C colors <laughs>
1: specifically for airpods because oh imagine losing yes. yes. that lemon <laughs> yes. yellow I would buy I, the pink one immediately 100, I, another
2: $160 <laughs> and I'm sorry if I see you at the airport and you're wearing airpods like the white ones just look dumb I'm sorry I, <laughs> I love you but they do I. if it was red I think that would look cooler red would look really cool yeah, yeah. oh yeah.
0: then honest, I, I'm again I'm calling Tim I'm calling Tim right now and I'm
2: telling him okay. my idea
0: <laughs> <laughs> they did not do a I snow think test. you get along
2: with Tim. You should get Christina to introduce you.
0: To Tim? Cause yeah. Oh, yeah, because she interviewed him.
2: That's right. <gasps> I she forgot
0: did. that she did that. All right. I'll tell Christina, introduce <laughs> me to Tim. I've got this great idea. It's going to be our own personal episode of Shark Tank, and I'm going to pitch to Tim uh-huh. snow test. These AirPods, these white AirPods, they have a big problem. They're going to get lost in the, the great winter of 2017. <laughs> You need to bring the neon 5C colors back because I liked them and I might be the only one, but I sure did like them a lot. I kind
1: of even liked those stupid cases that you could get with the holes in them that would like yeah. be, be contrasting colors. Like I thought that was a style, like maybe not everyone's style, totally but it was a, a style. style.
0: It was a wonderful style. I will go to my <laughs> grave being a, a fan of the 5C <laughs>
2: I, I'm sorry Apple let you down. <laughs> I, know. I feel like we let you down by not fangirling enough for that phone on Rocket. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel I'm like I didn't let me down, but sure.
0: <laughs> I mean, the bigger problem here is that this is a trend. Let's discuss this really important trend for a moment. Apple has introduced 5C colors, those bright neon colors, taken them away, introduced rose gold, took it away. <gasps> what is I this know. trend of Apple defying me personally? Apple sending me, Simone de Roche, for the middle finger. Because I know that's I, what I they're up to. I have to be honest.
2: I would mess with you, Simone. I can, It's like if if I let you down, Simone, I don't think I'd die. Like, <laughs> I don't. But <laughs> letting Christina down, like the queen of rose gold trash. That's like, fair. That's, that's just fair. It's dangerous. She's in really a rose gold dangerous. dumpster <laughs> being rose
0: gold trash. That's actually where she is right now.
2: Christina deserves to be buried <laughs> Like, 200 years from now in a rose gold coffin. Like, that's the With way a rose it should gold go. headstone. Yes. yes, that would be great. Disgusting. That would be great. Disgusting.
0: This episode of Rocket is brought to you by our friends <laughs> at Casper. Casper are the only company focused on sleep, and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. I can testify. I'm testifying right now, because you know where my butt is? It's oh my Casper. You spend a third of your life sleeping. And if you spent a third of your life doing anything, you would want to make sure it is as good as it can possibly be. And that is why you need Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. Once again, testify. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? (laughs) They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. Can't confirm once again, putting mugs on my Casper mattress. They they rest there, but my body has a pleasant sort of, it, it sits pleasantly on top of the mattress. I don't feel like I am a mug sitting on a flat surface. The mug is on a flat surface, but I'm right next to it on the same mattress, comfortable in my natural environment. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the U.S., and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. This is true. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. And actually my favorite Subway ads, because they have, like, ads where you can find all the clocks in a cool drawing, or find all the elephants in a cool drawing, And I like that because I like companies that try to entertain me on my horrible subway ride. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver it directly to your door. And if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy.
2: I love my mattress, you guys. You do. (laughs) It really comes through on this show. Good. Yes. I mean, when you travel... Like, do you find yourself on, like, bad hotel mattresses? And you're like, uh, no thank you?
0: Recently, I slept on a really hard – no, I know – you know what it was? It was that I went back to visit my mom and I slept on the new mattress that I had bought before I moved that I couldn't take with me. And this was a mattress that I was like – I remembered it very fondly. And I slept on it and I was like, nope, nope, <laughs> no, This isn't my – this isn't my bed. That's not my beautiful wife. That's not my beautiful bed. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, God, why did I... uh, I wish I didn't have this. Although now my mom gets to use it in her house, so that's fine. And I have my Casper, so everyone is happy. So, yes, uh, that was my my mattress experience.
2: (laughs) That was really intense, man. Our Mm.
0: listeners can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rocket and using rocket at checkout terms and conditions apply that's casper.com rocket and offer code rocket thank you so much casper for your support of rocket and relay fm okay so dessert topic for the day uh except we're having our medicine for dessert is that the fda has approved a digital pill which tracks um, if patients have taken a drug called Abilify, which treats schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and is a supplement for uh, treatment of depression. And this is some wild technology that is, you would use the word Orwellian, I think, Bree, to describe it. So basically, it detects if you, it has an ingestible sensor. That communicates with a patch, and it detects whether you have taken your medication for the day, which actually, considering how many people I know who have to take antidepressants and stuff like that, or even birth control, and forget every single day, <laughs> kind of, it sounds like a a good idea, but what makes you, what makes you have this Orwellian reaction?
2: Well, I mean, I don't think, I think it's very hard to find any technology and to say it's a hundred percent good or a hundred percent bad. Right. Um, like take drone technology, right. Um, this is something with obviously some some really positive applications like we've really increased our um, you know mapping of certain parts of the earth and you know like when um people get lost in mountains we use drone technology to locate them and you know, send in helicopters more easily that is good technology something i think we don't think about is like um you know are all of the laws really there to stop drones from like spying on americans over cities um are the laws really in place to stop drones from killing americans overseas uh the answer is no so i think often because we have a congress that's really uh you know 20 years behind on technology <laughs> policy I think, generously uh, what yeah I mean, it's look at facebook right like they've got these algorithms that or the way everyone gets their news nowadays and only shows them things that they already agree with. And we're kind of finding out the nightmarish consequences of that for a society. Um, so with this, it's not that I think it's a hundred percent bad. Like my husband works for big pharma or small pharma rather. And, you know, something they really deal with in clinical trials is being able to verify that patients take their medicine. This is why they make, you go to the hospital get to get your cancer treatment and pills, uh, it's mostly so the doctor can like verify that you've taken it, so that it's a controlled study. So I can see good uses for it. But where it gets to be kind of scary to me is it's easy for me to imagine um, people being discharged from court on the condition that they take certain, you know, psychotropic medicines, or, you know, mm. um, imagine somebody that, uh, you know, uh, I think it's, what is the, the, the medicine they came out with that stops uh, alcoholics from uh, really getting the drunk feeling from that? It's they oh, have one shoot. for meth too. Yeah, um, what is that? I forget the name of it, but the the idea is the same. Imagine a court mandating that you've got to take this drug. Um, I'm not saying that that's not all bad. I'm just saying I think it's something we should be thinking about on a policy level sooner rather than later. And I, the last I'll say before I turn it over to you guys, like one of the few tools that we have to stop death threats on the internet are a set of laws that Congress passed uh, in the early 90s, actually, uh, with uh, you know, communication standards and decency. Uh, lawyers are actually, because like, we haven't really tackled it since then, that is the main set of weapons that lawyers have to kind of uh, adjudicate these issues. So I think if we're going to have this technology, I, I think we should. I can see all kinds of advantages for like, people that, you know, taking birth control every day, or like people with possible dementia issues, I can see those applications for it. I just think we need to really set some structure around it.
0: That's a really good point, And one that I hadn't thought of. The first, I guess, downside that I thought of to this is one that's mentioned in the article, actually, which is that obviously your information is being sent to an app, And we've talked over and over again on this show about issues of privacy and how to protect people's privacy and how we can't necessarily trust companies to do that uh, Mm -hmm. without legislation, maybe. And so that was, I guess, a concern for me that potentially, if you are recording, whether or not you have taken your meds and what meds you're taking, that is information that could be used against you. Um, Not saying that the company is like selling your information or whatever there are no allegations about that but it's just something that i'm thinking about um but your point uh about whether whether we can whether whether we could potentially live in a world where people's medication is legislated is a really good one especially i think when it comes to things like antidepressants where Obviously, like all the cases that I know are people just have trouble remembering to take their medication and they want to be they want to be taking their medication and they would probably feel better if they remembered, but they just forget. But on the other hand, what if there were were situations where somebody wanted to stop or to switch medications and and it became sort of a a legal issue? What am I? I'm trying to. Get get at a case where where somebody could have their freedom to choose whether or not to take medication.
2: I, I can become, give you a very specific examples. Yeah, I know. Um, I once covered a court case. I I didn't end up writing this out, but when you're a court reporter, you see a lot of court cases and. Uh, I once saw a um, custody hearing, and I want to tell you, if you want to see some of the tensest days <laughs> in someone's life, go cover like you know family court. It is, it's terrible. Uh, and like there was somebody, there was a mother, and she uh, she'd gone into postpartum depression, right? And she had not been a really great mother, and she ended up divorced because of that. And she was trying to get. Um, visitation rights for her kids. Uh, I didn't know the entire situation. I was just somebody sitting in court that day, but it really was apparent to me she loved her children and was trying to do her best. And one of the things the judge was talking about, like, "Are you on a depressants?" Like, okay, you need to do that, then we can look at visitation. It's easy for me to see that being, you know, adjudicated right? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: that is not the job of the courts. That is, that, that, I mean, my first reaction was, oh my god, this is going to be, especially because this is a mental health drug that this right. is first mm-hmm. being introduced for, like, that was like a huge red flag for me. People are going to be forced to do this by people who may not be qualified to decide that somebody should be taking these drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: that, another, I guess, experience that I feel is, uh, quintessential to the experience of everyone I know who is on antidepressants is that they have to try multiple different kinds and find one that's right for them and find a dosage that's right for them. And the only person who can decide that is you and your psychiatrist, not a judge or not a jury or people who are not experienced in what that what that process is like for the patient who is going through that. So it's very easy to say, well, of course I want everyone who has depression to be on antidepressants. And yes, I would love everyone who has depression to have access to antidepressants and be able to find one that works for them. But the fact is it's not as easy as just like grabbing an antidepressant and being like, all right, well, that's great. I feel better now. No, it's right. it's a process.
1: <laughs> it also occurs to me that this could enable a crappy doctor to be like, well, you need to keep taking this drug that isn't working for you because you're, there are slight, I can see because I have access to this information that there are slight deviations in following the precise protocol based yeah. on, you know, what the data that I'm collecting. And that would just be really crappy.
2: Mm-hmm. Imagine it uh, another way. Like, um, uh, there's a There's a drug I take um, that's very, very expensive. Uh, it's the I, I've tried the generic version. It doesn't really work for me, so I'm on the the real version of this. Imagine the insurance company uh, denying you a refill because they can't verify that you've taken every single one of your pills. And imagine not having that data because you dropped your smartphone or anything like we're, we're giving Orwellian edge cases. Yeah. I want to say there, there is an upside here. Like for someone with dementia, it would be very helpful to be able to tell that you've taken this medicine every day for a company like my husband's, you know, uh, Human trials are very, very, very expensive. So, like, being able to verify that the patient has taken the drug that you've given them uh, and not having them, like, forced to go to a doctor, I think that could have merit, right? So... I, I just I just think we need like a legal framework around it and we need to talk to experts. Uh and interestingly enough, like this is the committee I will be serving on if I win my race. So I, I would definitely look into this. Awesome. Right. Yeah. It's it's it bears looking into. I uh, think so. To say yeah. the
1: least. I mean, there's there's something somebody said on Twitter at some point in the last 10 years, which is how my brain works, <laughs> that uh, whenever you invent a technology, you have to think of the worst possible thing you can do with it and then <laughs> defend against that. And I'm never sure that anybody has done that. And I don't think that – I'm very surprised that the first product that this is being introduced with is a mental health drug. Like, that is – and for clinical treatment, not not for a trial. For a trial, yeah. it makes absolute perfect sense. It's amazing. It's great. It's fantastic. It would be wonderful for these trials. But like, for regular people in their daily lives, I just I can't really get behind that. All right. Well, what are we up to this week? Brie,
0: why don't we start with <laughs> oh. you? Because you have an exciting journey.
2: Simone, I'm so excited about this. So This is the moment. Like, when I was a kid, I dreamed of the day I would be able to go get my dream sports car. Like, I dreamed of it. You know, I've had nice cars, I've had motorcycles, I've had all of that. But um, So last year on the show, um, I decided to buy an Audi TT. Um, which is a car I've always loved, and it's been a nightmare car. <laughs> uh, I spent, I bought it for forty eight hundred. I've put another eleven thousand dollars into it, <laughs> and it needs another sixty five hundred of repair at this point to be to keep working. Like everything in this car has gone wrong, and I've even like stuff I can fix myself, like the paint job. I've done that myself to save money. Mm-hmm. Um, this has just been a nightmare car. So my husband sat me down. And he's like, Bree, look, <laughs> This is dumb. And it's like he's like, you're like, you're like uh, you know, it's like it's Moby Dick for you. You gotta <laughs> stop. On. Hunting. You gotta stop hunting that whale. And so I started looking at cars, and instantly I'm going for, you know, I'm looking at other like five thousand dollar sports cars that are they're used. And Frank sits me down and he goes, Sweetie, look, we make good money. <laughs> You can you can spend a little bit more money than that on a sports car. It's fine if you want to do that. So, I have been um, really doing just a ton of research, and uh, tomorrow I am flying down to Virginia to get a freaking amazing deal on a uh, Porsche Cayman. Um, so, Jessica, like I showed you one of these videos of the yes. car I'm getting. It's it's hot, right? Like, it, it's, I mean.
1: Normally, I object to watching videos, and this one was nine whole minutes long, but the <laughs> car was pretty hot, and, like, frankly, so was the guy doing the video. Yes, so that it was really okay. That with did me not on hard. all counts. <laughs> this is a pretty car. I'm looking at it right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's I, I wouldn't get it in yellow, but oh, it is no, a gorgeous I'm car. The i getting is gunmetal.
0: Uh, gun. Yeah, so, that is
2: acceptable. <laughs> so I found one, and it's going to be under $35,000, and it's only got uh, 40,000 miles on it. And, uh, you know, it's like I've worked, I have worked very, very hard. And I think I can splurge on a $34,000 car for myself. The thing about buying
0: a car that's gently used is it's probably going to last longer than one that costs $5,000.
2: What's wrong with you? (laughs) Less less than $5,000. I grew up in Mississippi, Simone. Like it's, (sighs) it's what we would do is find these cars and fix them up. And it's like, Frank, the thing that happened is like the car's out of commission again. And like, I'm not, I'm like having to bum rides to get to campaign events. And Frank is like, Brie, this is dumb. You're running for Congress. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have a car that works. So number yeah. one,
0: you should have a good car. Yeah. Number two, you should have someone to drive it for you.
2: Well, right. I don't think get, anyone's gonna get yourself gonna a Bentley and a driver. <laughs> no, I don't think so. That's not really <laughs> no? a good look for the Democrats. No, Party, not a Rolls. <laughs> uh, but the thing that's really if you're a car person, which really awesome about the Cayman is uh, like everyone thinks of the nine eleven is like the ultimate Porsche. Uh, and it's not like it's the one with the best engine, but the thing is it's a, it's the engine is mounted in the back of the car. You can go to like eighties, nine and you can look down into the rear spoiler and you can see this giant intercooler there. Like it's the radiator, like putting out stuff right there. It's not a really good place uh, to put the engine for the car to turn well. Uh, For the Cayman, it's put mathematically in the middle of the car, which is the perfect place for it because then the weight is evenly distributed. So even though this is a car with a little bit under uh, 300 horsepower, it is like the best cornering car that Porsche makes, and it's ultra light. Uh, the other thing that's really exciting about this is it has uh, what you call a flat six engine. Most cars are adding a turbo or a supercharger onto it because it helps like increase the gas mileage. but this is a, a Porsche with a um, it's basically got two halves of the engine and it's horizontally mounted. But it's naturally aspirated, and they don't make naturally aspirated engines anymore. So what happens then, if I go and put a turbo on top of that, <laughs> then mm. I've basically got a car that is going to barely be street legal, if it's <laughs> even street legal. <laughs> <Now> <laughs> sweet.
0: Do you get to take yeah. it to the track and drive it around? or? I will. I All will, right. yeah,
2: absolutely. Nice. Uh, in fact, we've got campaign events later this uh, year where I'm going to be doing that. So I can't wait for it noise sounds amazing Jessica what are you up to this week
1: um. Well, yeah. Work. Just work. Horrible. My <laughs> job. We're. We're. I'm in the middle of this gigantic project that you know, of course, is under resourced and without enough times. So, so. Oh, and moving, which is the other thing, which oh. is under under resourced. Yeah. Um. I'm moving to the Washington D.C. area, in like two weeks. All right. <laughs> and so my house is becoming a forest of boxes, but not as quickly as it needs to be. So. Oh, where are you my moving life is from hell right now um i'm i right now live in beautiful schenectady new york ah it's snowing up there um not yet
0: oh okay uh, oh well, the, your I, your pod I mean, story well, was from okay
1: to be it's years. from last last year but yeah to be fair it has snowed in that snow has fallen from the sky no. but it hasn't stuck yet no <laughs> i don't like that no neither do i I did not choose this location. I haven't chosen any location in a yeah. really long time. I'm an academic spouse, so we move around depending on my husband's job. He's a physicist. Um, but, uh, yeah. So well, Can
2: can I watch Fast and Furious with him sometime and he can help me fact check that movie? Because I'm concerned that it's not 100% true. It,
1: it may not be 100% okay. accurate.
0: Okay. <laughs> he should write a long medium post about it. Uh, Let's see. This week, what am I doing at work? I'm trying to play Game of the Year games, you guys. I just installed Nier Automata on my PS4, and I'm going to start playing it. Um, I'm super excited for that and Horizon Zero Dawn. Those are the next two ones on my list. And other than that, I'm just editing like a a little busy bee at work, getting ready for, again new series. No, one old series, one new series. Hopefully very oh, soon.
2: Very so soon. so okay, I haven't is what's is the basic concept for Near? Cuz I I keep hearing about this but I haven't bought it.
0: So here's the thing. I am not there there's a part of Near that is very very exciting to people that I am unspoiled for because I don't want it to be ruined for me, but the basic concept of it is that you are an AI who is going on various missions as one does in a video game. Um and all of the what all of the HUD elements that you have are basically chips that you can add on. So like you can install a chip to show your HP or you can take that out to put in a chip that like lets you uh, go faster or something like that. So like you you can swap uh, and customize out your HUD, which is it's okay. it's a cool like yeah. robot interface thing like the whole game interface is designed as if it were your interface because you are the robot Um, but it is also designed to have several different endings that I guess radically change how you think of the game again saying this as a person who has not started the game nor finished it but what I have heard about it is that uh, it has several endings and All of them make you sad.
2: Okay. Hmm. Well, let me know how that is. And if I I can throw this in, please, I really hope Polygon will consider Danganronpa 3 this year. Like, Megan has blasted you guys for, like, cruelly ignoring Danganronpa and Danganronpa 2. And Danganronpa 3 is, like, this is We deserve to be blasted. This is this is a story about living in the Trump age. It really <laughs> yeah. is. It is about a group of people that are obsessed with inflicting despair on the world. And they figure out how to like make despair a social virus and they end up like causing the entire world to turn on each other. Hmm. And then <laughs> they start this thing called the killing game, where students are put in a school. And uh, there are 16 of them, and you're trapped in the school unless you can kill another one of the students and get away with it, at which point there's a class trial. And if the killer is found out, then uh, they get put to death. And if the killer is not found out, the surviving students get put to death. Oh, my God. it's a really (laughs) dark game with – characters you love intensely and it it's so rare in a video game to have this um amount of character building and it's really substantive stuff because this is a society that's figuring out how do we deal with despair and Danganronpa 3 like it's a just very prescient game for our time and I I hope you guys will consider it this year can 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 we do this
1: because <laughs> yeah. like i want to i want to put in a plug <laughs> for yeah, west of ahead. loathing yeah please which do. is the opposite of that <laughs> it's just a, a light funny surprisingly deep little western rpg that's totally adorable and i love it so what is it west of loathing west it's, uh, oh wait it's, i used to play uh their kingdom of loathing yes, yeah i used to play yeah. that yeah it's like the natural progression of that into a like semi 3D, two and a half D, I guess, sort of animated thing. And it's wonderful. And I, I've put like forty hours into this five hour game.
0: Shoot. The the humor in that uh, in Kingdom of of Loathing is so weird and so good. Exactly. Oh, this is cool! Ah, uh, there are too many games, Jessica. It's what really do we true. do about it? It's really
1: well, true. You have just to go play with... forty hours of Kingdom of Loathing, obviously, of Western Loathing. Clearly, rather. just
2: give it Super <laughs> Mario Odyssey. It's, it's good enough. <laughs> yes. Forget everything else.
0: You forget that Zelda also came out this year. So, oh, man. okay,
2: Zelda is game mm. of the year. Yeah, yeah. It's, a okay. bad, it's a bad. It's a bad year.
0: Good <laughs> good In that, it's that. a good year.
2: Yeah yeah
0: all right uh Jessica where can we find you online
1: <coughs> I am on Twitter at Jessica Dennis you can hear me on my own podcast that I do with a friend of mine at ruffledfeathers.xyz. and finally I do one game review a week at Me. hey I'm
0: writing all these down Brie where can <laughs> we find you
2: Uh, You can find me racing around Boston in my Porsche (laughs) 2014 Porsche Cayman. It's going to be awesome. Or you can find me on Twitter. Uh, Yep, that's where I am.
0: (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at DoomQuasar and at YouTube.com slash Polygon. As always, thank you for listening to Rocket, and if you liked it, uh, go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or leave a review directly in your friend's ears, and then they'll <laughs> leave one for you. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is terminated.
2: Terminated! <laughs> terminated.